Hello, Bill Boyd again here with the North Carolina Study Center and our daily devotional. As we begin week two, we are diving off into the book of Revelation. We are doing that because uh, as I've been thinking of uh, what might be encouraging uh, and appropriately challenging and, and uplifting and strengthening, um, because the word encourage, you know, of course, means to give courage. And I think we all need that. The book of Revelation was written for that very purpose. And it was written by uh, John, who was actually exiled <laughs> on Patmos, not because there was uh, a contagion that he was getting away from, but because he had been preaching the gospel and had been banished. And the Lord met him there in what at a minimum could be described as a very powerful and illustrative way. And what John records for us in this book that we call Revelation, it comes from the, the word, the opening word of the book uh, that we'll get to in a moment. But what John really gives us here is a compendium of images from all over the Old Testament. They're not quotes, they're just allusions to all kind of different things. And uh, some of them are images of fire and some of them are, are names that we've heard, uh, whether it's Sodom or Babylon or Jerusalem. Uh, but it's this picture, and I love what Peter Lighthart, a friend of mine who has written a wonderful commentary on this book, uh, has to say about it. He says that it's not so much that John is hearkening back to the Old Testament and expounding it the way a preacher would a text, as that John is actually going to the Old Testament and he's using the Old Testament to compose something. Uh, he actually likens it, and I think it was a wonderful illustration. It's as if John is using the Old Testament as his set of paints, and he's dipping in Genesis here and in Exodus here and in Jeremiah here and in the Minor Prophets here and uh, everywhere, the Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and one stroke here and another stroke here, and he's layering stroke after stroke after stroke. And before we know it, we realize John really is convinced that the Old Testament was presenting a unified uh, picture um, in, in an astoundingly complex and beautiful and, and arresting manner. But when you put all of these things together, what you get is a much more fully orbed picture of Jesus Christ. And it is a picture of a savior, of a prophet, a priest, a king, the prophet, the priest, the king, the Alpha and the Omega, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. It's this picture of Jesus himself and it's very clear that he is so much larger than any momentary circumstance we might be in. And he is so much larger than even any time period. He operates within time because he took on flesh, but he also operates outside of time for he is the God of all time. And he is the God of our bodies. And he is the God of this world, and he is the Lord of the kingdoms of this world. And nothing comes to us that is not passed through his hands. 
and ultimately every knee really will bow and every tongue really will confess. And so as we are swept up in this imagery and these messages to churches and these pictures of judgment and also these uh, beautiful pictures of renewal and redemption and salvation, we become, if we have eyes to see, ears to hear, convinced more deeply than ever, and this has been the testimony of Christian after Christian throughout the centuries, that Jesus Christ is worthy of our worship and of our service and of our faith and hope and love. And we will not be disappointed if he is our King and our Savior. Let me read to you these first this verses here. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. One closing comment here. The Greek word that's uh, translated revelation is the word uh, from which we get the word apocalypse. It's apocalypsis. And uh, I don't know how you think of the word apocalypse, but most people think of the apocalypse as something just horrific and um, it, it grabs hold of your imagination in all kind of ways that you might not even like. And one of the reasons I've wanted to turn here at this particular time is that this apocalypse really is a revelation. That is, it's, it's a showing, it's a revealing of who Jesus actually is. It's, it's not about, um, you know, odd and strange and even scary images first and foremost. There are some odd and some strange and scary images in here. It is not a revelation about that. It is a revelation, first and foremost and thoroughly, of Jesus Christ. And as the text begins, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. It's a revelation of Jesus so that his servants would know that during difficult, the difficult times that were coming, that nothing could separate them from the love of God in Christ because of who Jesus is. And what will happen, I pray, as we delve into this book a little bit each day, is that our understanding, but not just that, our imagination, um, the way we hope and dream will be transformed and God is interested in our imaginations and the book of Revelation is designed to get a hold of our imaginations and our hearts in order that we might understand that Jesus is so far beyond what we tend to give him credit for being that our fears are simply silly in many ways 
and yet he bears with us in them. And he continues to give us his word as it says here, because those who read this prophecy and who hear it and who keep what is written in it are blessed. The Lord bless you and keep you in Christ this day. And I look forward uh, to seeing you tomorrow. Bye-bye.